here it is. It's that time. It's Wednesday, and it's a new episode of Terribly Funny. Hi there, gang. I'm Steve Bazelon. Uh, I'm your host. I'm your friend. I'm your buddy. I'm your pal. And this, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about uh, terrible things. And today we have a, a lovely guest, a funny lady by the name of Juliana Gwill. Uh, she's a fantastic actress. Uh, she's also a delightful singer. She's a, a part of a, of a little band called The Girls. Um, if you, they don't perform much anymore, but if you ever get to see them, they're fantastic. Um, what else can I tell you about Juliana? Uh, I first met her, uh, years ago, like eight years ago. I was making a little pilot for Fox TV Studios, and Juliana was cast in it, and she was, uh, a way better actor than me, so, you know, she made me look bad, but that's her job, and she did it well. Uh, <laughs> you've seen her in a ton of things. She was in Captain America's Civil War. She was Tony Stark's assistant. That's fucking cool. Um, she's also Crazy Stupid Love, a ton of TV shows, Criminal Minds, Cougar Town, uh, Selfie, all sorts of stuff. And most recently, she was in Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. Uh, so if you want to know why I think she's so great, check that out, because she's in a bunch of episodes there, and uh, she's a delight. And today, she's going to talk to us about, uh, what is she going to talk to us about? Oh, uh, what it's like to see, to be very young and see your mother go through a ton of loss all at once. Um... So that's exciting. Ooh, and fun fact, little Easter egg here. Uh, somewhere in the middle, you'll get to hear uh, Miss Gwill's uh, cat sniff the microphone. So that's exciting. Oh, man. What a wild ride we're going to have. Here it is, gang. Buckle up. Brand new episode. Terribly funny. Coming at you. Hot off the presses. Enjoy. Oh. Cocktails and drinking. Yeah. Oh, and oh. Work. Well, the thing was, is that uh, when I was sick, there was a long time I couldn't drink, or I didn't drink, and then when I was kind of like, well, nothing seems to be helping, so I might as well drink a little bit. But I noticed like beer would be like a little bit more of an irritant. Same thing with booze. I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Gluten well, they, wise. Yeah, exactly. But the gluten was never a thing. It was just like something about the acidity, or I don't mm, know, okay. or maybe the sugar. I don't uh, know. Mm. Um, it was like mostly psychosomatic. Yeast. Yeah. So I stopped drinking beer, I stopped drinking booze, but I, so I just drank wine, and at the time, Max uh, Lorem was working for like a fancy dude who had like a lot of, like he had a huge wine cellar, and then also a friend was becoming a sommelier, so I like got pretty good at wine. a weird belt. Maybe I've talked to her about this. Maybe. The wine thing. Yeah, it's possibly. But like, so that's all I drank for like two years, I feel like. So then as soon as I got healthy, it was like a Pavlovian thing. I was like, fuck wine. Beer and oh. booze all the time. It was like not even like an intentional choice. It was like that kind of a long time equated That's that with being really sick. So it's only like in the last year or two, like, oh yeah, wine's yeah, delicious. Wine's Why really did great. I get away from this? That's I didn't have a life threatening near death experience, and I have. Well, you should give it a shot sometime. It's anyway. great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's purely why. I think I just equated it with like being. Oh, this is a bad. This is a sick time drink. A sick time drink. Yeah. I can have this bad treat. medicine. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Medicine. Medicine. COVID now, medicine. now I agree that it's delightful. It's so. Good. But for a long time, I think like subconsciously, I was like, no, that's a sick drink. <laughs> so I didn't drink it for a while, but now delightful. I mean, I, honestly, any any sort of booze I get behind. Mm-hmm. Mild problem. I enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess that feels like a good preamble. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol. Alcohol. Uh, so tell me, tell me something. Tell me some terrible stuff. All right, I'll tell you some terrible stuff. Ooh, well, yeah. You know, I thought about this a lot today because I feel mm-hmm. like I don't know. I mean, a lot of your podcast is about loss, mm-hmm. 
which I feel super experienced in, but in a in a way that some of it I was really really close to the loss, and some of it I was sort of like on the outside, right. but felt really close and but wasn't and yeah. couldn't be, and that was also a challenge. Well, also like loss takes so many different forms, yeah. right? Because yeah, it's not sure. it's not it's always not like always death. Yeah, or yeah. even tangible loss. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a heartbreak. Sometimes yeah. it's totally just even an expectation. Totally, you know. And also, I think like in my experience moving through the world, loss is a club. Uh huh. Yeah, and it is. You're either it's a rite of passage. Yeah, right? and you're either in it uh-huh. or you're not. And until you are, and we all inevitably are, but. I mean, some people experience loss so much later in life, yeah. so much later in life. It's kind of amazing to me than others. Which and, and there's a part of me that's like, good for you. Yes. And then me there's too. also another part that's like, how? How I did you make it this far? I don't get it. Like, I, that's just not how my life has been. And yeah. when I meet people like that, this might be an overgeneralization, but I feel like, you know, people a lot in in this town a lot and in life a lot they say everything happens for a reason sure i don't really subscribe to that i think that's fair <laughs> um, yeah and i don't mean like you know if you don't get a job and you dodged a bullet or my but, cat's currently crawling on stage. Yeah. hi kitty come here oscar if you don't get a job or something doesn't go your way and then you know it turns out that job was terrible and you got a better one sure in that scenario yeah that happened for a reason right. or and i can see in other ways but with it's a really hard thing to say that when you have lost people that you just frankly don't think it's like, should what be what was gone. the fucking reason for this like i can't think of a reason at all well i think it's i mean i another generalization but like that kind of somewhat magical thinking i think is akin to Putting faith in their religion. Of course. It's just like, okay, this gives some sort of meaning. reason and meaning to something that's, by and large, totally illogical and, and hurts. uncaring. And hurts. Yeah. And, like, you want to make it hurt less, and I get that. I totally get well, that. It, like, provides some small, tiny bit of solace. Yeah. 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 I, um, I feel like my first experiences as a young person with laws all happen kind of very, very quickly and in a really concentrated way and really, really shaped me moving forward. And it happened, it started, I I think I was like maybe 12 when my mother's mom, my Grand Mabel, died. Sure. And my mom comes from a family of six children. (laughs) Um, The cat cat is licking the microphone. So my mom comes from a big family, and Mm. her father died when she was 17, and I never met him. And so her siblings, they're all very, very close. And when their mom died, we all lived in the same, a lot of us lived in the same town. We lived in the same town as Green Mabel. And this was in North Carolina, right? Winston-Salem, North Carolina, yes. Um, When her mom died, it it was just so hard for her and her siblings and for us, and we were all very close. And of course, when you lose a grandparent, that is... It's sad, but they're older, but she wasn't that old. She was like 79. Yeah. So it felt it felt too soon. Sure. And then shortly thereafter, my mom's sister, Maisie, one of her sisters, Maisie. So in the lineup, it's Betsy Jean, Lucy, Maisie, my mom, Anne, and her little brother, Walter. 
Oh, outside of Walter, that sounds like just like the perfect Southern family. I know. Walter's pretty Southern. I, mean, I guess it yeah. is Southern, yeah. but just in the mix of like Walter. all the uh, wise. The, totally. Yeah, yeah. So Maisie, her sister, um, got diagnosed with lung cancer. How old was she? She was in her late, I mean, late 40s, early Oof, 50s. Boy. I think. Um, and so Grand Mabel died. Maisie got this diagnosis. The diagnosis was not good. And about a year and a half later, Maisie died. But before Maisie died, I got home. Um, I got home one one night from a bat mitzvah. Sure. I was in middle school. You're and becoming a woman. Was, well, not I. I was not. But Everybody someone around was. You was. Someone yes. was. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and the girl whose bat mitzvah was. Let's call her Katie. Love Katie. Uh, it, her name wasn't Katie. Yeah, <laughs> so Katie wanted to spend the night with me. And so she came home from her bat mitzvah with me. And I remember we walked through the kitchen in my house. And this is shortly after Maisie had been diagnosed. And my mom was in the kitchen with Maisie, with my mom's older sister, Lucy, and her other, they're older, and her other sister, Jean, and they were all there, and my mom was crying. And there was this picture in the room that had been taken, framed, a gold picture frame with four women in it, my mom's friends. And it had been moved, I remember, from the dining room to the kitchen, and it was sitting on this table. And I remember thinking, why is that picture in here? And I just assumed that my mom and her sisters were there crying about Maisie. I just right. assumed they were there talking about this diagnosis, what had happened to yeah, Maisie. It's and very stressful. It, yeah, and their yeah. mom had just died. And it didn't shock me at all that my mom was crying. Or that This was a upset. common occurrence. Yeah. It was like made, a tumultuous time. It made sense. Yeah. And, um, and the next morning, I came downstairs, and my dad was in the kitchen waiting for me. And he said, I need to tell you something. I said, okay, what? And he said, your mom's best friend, our next-door neighbor, was killed in a car accident yesterday. Oh, Jesus Christ. And so I realized in this flash that, like, my mom was losing her mom and ultimately her sister and her best friend in this really concentrated time. And so the next few years, and my dad worked out of town. Yeah. The next few years were spent, like, witnessing this loss that she was going through but we were going through it too sure. and it was so i mean it, it just impacted our family unit each of us my brother my sister so much my mom so much my dad so much just in our own dealing with these three this sort of triangle of women surrounding my mom right. and you know your mom is your mom and she it when she's going through something like this it was heartbreaking yeah I'm kind of crazy yeah I can't I mean I can't imagine just because especially with being peers it's one thing yeah. to have like a mom that's difficult to deal with but that's like somewhat you can wrap your mind around it because like okay there's older there's distance that's like the way yeah. life works yeah but like a, somebody two people who are your own age yeah that's got to be debilitating it, for a while yeah it, and it was and I mean and my mom is like a force of nature and really barreled through it and like it never I mean she's so strong and she's so so loving mm. 
that this only made her more so in many ways. But as a kid watching her go through this, I think I, I just learned this lesson of loss and this experience of loss so quickly and so fast, you know, like with like punches to the gut watching her go through it. And yet they weren't, you know, my, that's not the right thing to say. They were my losses as well. They were my experience of death as well, but they were her closest people. But like, it just, it just like, as I got, got older, it just continued to happen. And my best friend's mom in high school died and I was very close with her. And then we we were in high school with a couple boys who died in drunk driving car accidents. And, and, and I went through all of this. And so I just one like, I wonder like, how do people not go through this? Yeah, how does life not happen? How does life not happen? Yeah. And what and and I really do think that's like an enormous blessing for them. As much as for it sure. as in, as amazing as it is to know the parameters of life and death and like feel them and understand them and have the empathy and the understanding and the yeah. the torture and those things they like build you and yeah, I think that, but I didn't need them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's a necessary, it's an inevitable experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like if you're making it to 40 with that experience, I'm like, what? How? I'm a little bit like, all right, you need, you need to get and live some life. I know. But like, if you if you can make it to your 20s without like having anybody close to you, good for That's you. That's great. Good for you. Because you should be like a young, na- naive, kind of dumb, dumb, just like all bright-eyed and bushy-tail until a certain point. Totally. Good for you. Totally. And the, you know, everything happens to a reason thing. It's just like, well, dude. That's the, well, it's one of those things where sometimes it's like nice to, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it's nice to take solace in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've talked about this before on the show, but it's just like usually when people say that, it's just like, the instincts are good. Their intentions are just like, of course. Trying to like just calm you. Make you feel better and make themselves feel better. For sure. Because it's really hard to comfort people. And it's also, but like in those moments where when somebody says that, it can be the most infuriating thing. I know. It's like, oh really? Everything happens for a reason? reason? Fuck you. Yeah. What's like, the reason? Like really, I, you know, Maisie, my aunt, my best friend who I would like months after she died, go to the principal's office if I was sick and call her by accident. Yeah. Like I didn't need that as a kid. Yeah. Nobody needs that. No. You know, you don't need to know what that feels like. Um... A couple of things occurred to me as you were saying that. Okay. Um, just from your mom's perspective, uh, I am, because it's my only experience, so I have to relate it back to me. Also, I'm a narcissist, selfish person, so I'm going to sure. do that. Um, you but know, like, I feel like that's like really not true. No, it's, it's on. It's on the sleeve. <laughs> Everybody gets that. Um, but I had a period just a couple of years ago where like, you know, lost my yeah. grandmother and then my mom and then divorce. Yeah. And like, it was... Uh, not the same as your mom's, obviously, but it was like, I felt like I lost the three most important women, like, very quickly. Yeah. And just felt very untethered. And yes. felt like, oh, there was so much femininity in my yeah. life, and it's just gone now. And it just felt very Oh my gosh, very that's bizarre. so jarring. It was, yeah, especially because I feel like, you know, I was I am very close oh. with my dad, but I basically grew up with but my your mom. Your dad's not your mom. Yeah, it's not the it's same just, thing. He's just not. He's fantastic, and he's yeah. wonderful, but it's also not the same, you know, Couldn't level be. of sensitivity. Ever, and, yeah. So it was just like a, a jarring experience, and I can only imagine uh, mm-hmm. t- with your mom, like losing, okay, grandmother and mother from my side, like that sucks, 
but there's okay they're older and I, shit happens but like your mom losing two peers I can only imagine yeah. like feeling there's no permanence to anything no I, I, yes and and Ben and I my husband Ben and I have Steve knows Ben but I do guys I do know. yeah he's great um, love he's, Ben he's right outside we're keeping him outside yeah. um, while we do this podcast but Ben and I have talked about this a lot in relation to my mom because there are other people as as I've you know gone through life there are other people in her life and by choice mine as well her friends are my friends and my mom and I are really close um, that have gotten sick and died several mostly cancers and Ben and I talk about you know is it the is it like the like I don't know, what's the word for breadth? Is this breadth? Sure. You know, the, the breadth of her, like, fr- her love, because she is so magnetic, because mm-hmm. she knows so many people and loves so many people. Do you open yourself up? Are you more vulnerable to loss as you, as you acquire people in your life that stay with you forever? Right. And... You know, I, I think you do. You do in a way. I mean, it's a sacrifice. It's it's one of the harder things about. I mean, about making a friend. You know, opening your heart. Any of this, yeah. like dating someone. Yeah. I mean, it's all. The more vulnerable you make yourself, is directly correlated to how open your heart is. For sure. It seems and, pretty obvious. Like yeah, and I, th- I think the best parallel is just like dating. Like you can yeah. keep people at distance. And have these yeah. kind of, you know, uh, different levels of fulfillment, yeah. but like at an arm's length. Yeah, dip your toe in the water, yeah. but like you're not going first. But if you invite somebody closer in, like the peaks are going to be, the colors are going to be more, more vibrant, but right. you run the chance of like right. being like scraped out, mm-hmm. eviscerated, you know? But that's like the same thing yeah. in it's, life. It really is. With any friendship or... It really is. Yeah. And it's... And I guess, I guess... It just kind of fascinates me. I, well, has that affected you at all? Do you feel like, okay, so all this, this we were all like 12, right? Yeah, and then when I was in high school, and then in January. Okay, sure. So it's yeah. it's an ongoing yeah. process. But like when you're young, it's such it's such a formative time yeah. that you're, you, you're just, you know, silly putty. You, yeah. you, you rubbed against newspaper, you pull, pull a new newspaper with you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So like, did that, how did I, that affect you here, moving forward? I, that's such a, a, such a good question and I feel like I know part of it. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I always was, but I'm really emotional mm. and that's, not, I mean, not as an actor, ironically, it doesn't always come when you want it to. Sure. Which is infuriating. Well, that's the hardest thing. I know, of course yeah. it is. It's the hardest thing. But it's, I like so much, I'm so angry sometimes as an, as an actor at work when I find emotion not accessible to me when in life it, it is like my bedrock is made of yeah. water. Yeah. I mean, I, I really swim through it. And that's such a lovely image. I uh, what a nice turn of phrase. My bedrock is made of rot water. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, I googled that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it did make me really, really emotional and very empathetic. Mm. Almost probably Ben would say to a fault, and 
I don't regret becoming that sure. that way. Um, and then the other the other way I feel like it affected my family unit. We've always been very really close, and again, I have an older sister and a younger brother, and we sort of live on the edge of like, is the other shoe gonna drop? Right. And not like in a crazy way or something that affects us every day, but you know, just in a way that like, if my sister calls, I might pick up the phone and say, in the middle of dinner, I might pick up the phone and say, hey, everything okay? And she'll Mm -hmm. say, yeah, it's fine, call me later. And I'll say, okay. But it's, I don't know if everything's okay and I don't know when I'm going to get a bad phone call and I hold them really, really close and we're very, very intimate and compared to other people's family units, I I can see how we are different because we are afraid sometimes Yeah. because we know what it's like and we don't want it again. Well, I think if you experience such loss at a young age, you always, it, I think it, 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 like as you're talking about, it builds such a level of empathy, uh, but it also, you know, like I have, I have a dog, Duncan, he's a dachshund, he's amazing. Um, I know. He's fantastic. Uh, but he he was a rescue dog and before we got him he was abused and I've had him for like nine years now and I think only like the last year and a half two years I think he's also just because he's getting older but like he's actually relaxed because I think prior to that because he was a little yeah because it was like ingrained in him from a young age so it's just like you know, he never, like, slept as soundly. I think it's also because he's getting old and farts yeah. more and that kind of thing. But, like, it's also, he's finally relaxed because it happened to him when he's young. And this is, like, I'm, I'm comparing you to my dog. That's okay. But what I I'm really saying, like dogs. Yeah, of course. But it's just, like, <laughs> if it's ingrained in you at a young age, like, yeah. it's hard to let your guard down. Yeah. Right? Yes, it's really hard. And it it's 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 hard to let your guard down in terms of, like what we're saying, you know, being afraid when's the next loss coming or what's the next thing of bad news or even when for years things are fine and and then and then at the same time it's like I wonder if it also contributes to the fact that like I have a lot of friends and mm-hmm. I love them and I'm really close with a lot of people and people tease me about that like how many best friends do you have, you yeah. know, and I wonder, do I op- like do I open up so far to scoop everybody in? I don't know if those things are related. I I don't know. Well, a, I think that's a great way to live, to like open yourself up a ton. Um, but the inverse of that, psychologically, might just be like, I need to safeguard myself. Yeah. I need to have as many people as possible because they could start dropping. <laughs> sure, I don't know. Like for, for like <laughs> actually dropping or just like move away. Like definitely the most morbid way I've ever looked at my. <laughs> your, your your warm <laughs> yeah your warm personality your overall like uh, very gregarious kind self. Um, I have a weird question for you. Oh, ask because it's one that I've thought of times. Is there? Because you went through a bunch of uh, stuff in a short period. Yeah. Is there a, a small part of you that, like, when something happens, like, whatever happened in January, that there's, like, something somehow slightly comforting to it? Oh, God, yes. It's weird. What the fuck is that? I think it's, like, and you know what? You talked about, I listened to your conversation with Jim. Mm-hmm. And 
you hit the nail on the head with saying that you feel like, oh, I got this. I can handle this. Yeah, yeah what do you need? I got this. I know yeah. what this looks like. I know what you're going to feel. I know what I'm going to feel. I know all the things are. Yeah, I got this. And it's like you just, maybe it's the familiarity of the ritual of death and sadness. And yeah. I mean, I mean, just this year, Steve, my mom, one of my parents, when a good friend of ours died and then my mom's cousin died mm -hmm. and I, and like in a month, in a month, my sister and my mom were cooking meals I wasn't there and that a lot of guilt with that you know I was over here on this side of the country my sister happened to be on the east coast when these things happened this year and you know for weeks they they went back and forth cooking meals for bereaved families one yeah. after the other and that's what we do yeah that's what we do and like that's what my mom does and we know how to do that right and that's weird yeah it is it is it is weird I mean, I think the act of, I mean, food is somehow so healing and cathartic yes. because it's a reminder of like, oh, I need, I am, I am alive. I have to I need alive. this. Yeah. Um, but it's also like just activity. It's providing a distraction. Totally. And it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's well, some, something somehow concrete. So, yeah. It's just really concrete. And it's a ritual. Yes. So like even like this fucking crazy thing happened, like, oh, here's a ritual that I do every day. Dinner. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And. So anyway, I mean, you know, we don't have to talk about this the whole time. Or I'm sure I don't know how interesting this is to anyone. I, it, but it, but I do feel like, you know, when I was talking to Ben about about doing your podcast and saying like, I think what made me say to you, Steve, I want to do your podcast, is this inherent. Um, it's not an obsession. It's just like a state of mind around proximity to death that I'm sort of fascinated by right. and can't seem to get away from. And unlike you, I haven't lost a parent. And I'm so, like, I don't even, I can't even pretend to understand what that would be like. And yet I have lost all these people that I, I get what that kind of loss feels like. So it's like, I don't know, I'm interested in it. I'm interested in how people deal with it and how close you are to it yeah and the awkwardness of sometimes not being the closest person to it but still feeling very yeah devastated by it you know it's it's a, a weird thing that i was thinking when you said that is that uh i remember just being like you know in middle school and high school and I had friends or acquaintances whose parents died mm -hmm. and like even in college knowing like somebody's parents died and it was you couldn't wrap your mind around it. And even like five years ago when I you know, a friend whose mom died, it's like, oh, fuck, what is that like? That's got to be crazy. Right. And then it happens. And then it is crazy. It is crazy. But then you're like, oh, okay. It's, I mean, it's a crazy thing and it always stays with you and it's like a tattoo or a scar that right. never goes away. But it's like, it's just another thing that happens. Even though it's like demoralizing know, and totally I know, brutal, I, I, it's just I, that's like that's so crazy. That's almost scary in itself. Yeah, I yeah, I guess, I guess my, my I remember um, hearing that like when I was younger, like somebody's mom died, and would be like, "How do you 
talk to them? Yeah. Can you bring it up? Is that just like so overwhelmingly mm-hmm. sad all the time? And the truth is it's not. Right. Like there's moments, yeah, for a while it's like fucking brutal, but like, oh, it's just another, it's another thing. It's another Still like, parent. it's another kick in the dick in the yeah. road of life. <laughs> and it sucks, but it's like, oh yeah, we're getting through. Which is a very like maybe callous way of approaching it, but it's just like the way that you can't like fathom what that would be like. It's right. So I, much. It's, right. It's, yeah. And like the sense of humor that you have around it, it belongs to you. And like, that's also interesting because I mean, I have other friends who have lost parents and it just never, for an outsider, it never becomes something that like, I don't have that sense of humor around your loss of your parent. Well, cause you and have he, to, you have to be, you have to give somebody permission, right? Totally. Yeah. So, and that, and you have ownership of that. And, and I do feel like, I mean, I don't know what your experience was, but there are phases and like, sure. now you're in this next phase of the loss of your mom. I re- I yeah. Hmm. Do you um do you think when and if you ever were to become a parent mm-hmm. would that change how I don't know, you move forward how you would that's a very kind of amorphous know. question, but like seeing your mom doing all that shit and seeing right. you know your well, dad or how he handles that and Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know becoming a parent which is definitely something I want to do is this whole other thing you know it's like I worry that I am so emotional already I I don't know like I feel like I'll either go one way or the other I'll I'll be this like basket case Uh who the sight of my child brings me just to to, over the edge edge. or I'll be like my mom and I think I, I really wonder about this because I do not know the answer, but my mom, out of my two parents, is, while she is the is the nurturer, technically speaking, and she's, like, so loving, she's not necessarily the emotional one. My right. dad is. Right. Well, that's interesting. He And he is very emotional, very emotional around his children in terms of the distance between us geographically right. and when we right. see each other when we, when we reunite and and he's that is a thing about him that we all really love and and sometimes we'll tease him about and but my mom she can keep it together like in a very real way and mm. so I wonder about about that because I'm very like her in a lot of ways well, you were very young um, but was she always like that, or is that like a byproduct of like having this like, just well, kind of? I mean, she certainly down. had her, and has as we all do. Like, this isn't to say she doesn't have breakdowns or or moments of despair or right. or devastation or cry. She does all that normal human stuff around tragedy. But, but she, if you need her, when you need her. And when you always need her, because we always need her. Yeah, sure. Mom. It's really, like, so solid in her ability to not be emotionally affected all the time by what we're going through. She can put the restraint up a little bit, which I really appreciate. Because, you know, when you call someone crying, you don't want them to start crying. No. And I wonder, like, I just hope I'm not that parent. It's like, my daughter calls me crying. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God, honey, I can't handle it. I'm too upset. 
Well, I think there's, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's great to be like that level of pragmatism, right? To just yeah. like coming at things like very logically. I also think it's interesting when, uh, and just in terms of like a, a dynamic in relationships, like when one person is occupying a space. Right. You person, shift into the Yeah. Totally. Like if you were angry about somebody and somebody else takes on anger on your behalf, then you like, you don't like that. Lessons. And then you defend them. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's like, there's not enough, like, okay. It's like, oh, it's fucking Neil Simon, you know, odd couple. Like, it's yeah. like, we can't, we yeah, can't yeah. both we be can't slobs. can't be the same. It's boring. One of us has to take on the We're other. We're on the TV show of life and yeah. this character already exists. Yeah. And it's, all right, it's boring. They're the same character. Come on, guys. We got to switch this it. up. You can't do it. No, that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about that. Hmm. Um, well, here's a question for you. Okay. Uh, for uniformity's sake. Sure. What is um, any level of advice that you would give to anybody who has gone through, like especially at a young age, mm-hmm. um, experiencing a certain level of loss that most people sure. don't? Um, feel your feelings. Mm-hmm. They are real, sure. concrete things that will exist forever, so you might as well look at them. Don't run away from that shit. Mm-mm. Therapy. Mm-hmm. Sure. God, therapy's amazing. I wish it was available to everyone. I wish everyone above the age of 18 could spend an hour a week talking to someone who is purely objective and cares only about their mental well-being. Yeah. Has no other agenda because they're getting paid. Yeah. I wish that for everyone. It's not always an option. I yeah. I recognize that. But I would, in the absence of of that, I really feel like allowing yourself to talk about something as much as you need to, even if sometimes it feels a little bit redundant or indulgent. Like, talk about it. Find a new person to talk to it about. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say it's an obsession or it's something you fixate no. on or need to talk about all the time. But if you feel that feeling bubble up, that inexplicable universal pull to emote (laughs) to just cry about a person you lost 10 years ago you should do that because who knows maybe they're listening maybe they're not maybe you don't believe in that or maybe you do um but the thing you can be really sure of is that it's cathartic and Mm -hmm. catharsis is like such an enormous part of life yeah and growth and you will just arrest if you don't allow yourself that feeling yeah you will definitely atrophy if you don't it's their emotions are muscles if you don't use them they kind of they get weaker they do or or they snap yes you know when you like start to use them all at once and it's 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 like it's like a hamstring going like well i'll go up for a run i haven't done it in 10 years but oh no oh foolish yeah and now i'm just a basket case yeah you're right the the water the uh what the dam breaking yeah that's yeah i've seen that I've yeah seen that. it's interesting you were talking about um uh, talk to somebody new if it's not somebody that's basic in your mm-hmm. life because i feel like i have over the years become like more of an open book yeah um but there's still like uh, you know periods of gestation where you're trying yeah. to figure things out and subsequently um I feel like I'm an open book, but sometimes play it close to the close mm-hmm. close to the best. Uh, so, like, I know when I was 
going through um, was trying to figure out like my my ex wife and I were trying to figure out like sexuality questions, sure. and it was a thing where like it was all encompassing in my life for like a year. Mm-hmm. But it was the kind of thing I didn't want to tell anybody about because I just right. wanted to like, uh, let's make sure we have a handle on this yeah. before just like start talking about because it's a very salacious and like yeah. fascinating thing. Yeah. And like without even like having bad intentions, it could be like a thing that just kind of fucking spreads. Totally. I didn't want that. And it was like personal and private about it. Uh, but had a, was on a job at a time that took me to New York and had like a brand new friend who was uh, lovely and since become one of my best friends. But she and was totally not, unrelated but to anyone not connected in your life, to anything which else. is sometimes just the yeah. best thing ever. Not connected to anything. Uh, also, loved to see movies, and was also a lesbian. So I was like, we just this is every great. weekend we just went to some movies, and I'd be like, can I ask Pick you about your brain. this? <laughs> yeah, and like as a very pragmatic like sure. person, so sure. it was like it was just like a fucking savior because like I, somebody I could talk to was not. It was just oh, like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I mean, there's like all these stories and movies built around like, oh, you have this like cathartic experience with a stranger you've never met before yeah. because like somehow you open up more because In, because you're not guarded. There are no stakes. Yeah. You know, the only stakes are what you want to get out at the time. That's yeah. really amazing, Steve. I didn't know that. Yeah. How, what an experience. Yeah, new people can be really... And, you know, the new people bring this whole other story to the table. This whole other sure. life that maybe you're even more willing to listen to or or take, like... Because they don't have an agenda, they don't. I don't know. Yeah, they, they're just. I mean, I, I agree implicitly, but isn't that kind of dicked up? Or sometimes yeah. you'll be willing to, you'll be willing and more open to listen to somebody you don't know and really have no reason to respect or like. Yeah. You don't know. There's no context. Yeah. But it's like, it's. Um, I don't know. It's like you're not hearing the same song, like in the same right. way, like that. Like it's there's. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, it's just. You just hear it more in the same... Like, mm-hmm. there's been studies where uh, if a couple's together long enough, like, an old man, old woman, or just anybody's together long enough, like, 50 years, over a while, their hearing becomes a little bit immune to the decibel of the other person's voice. Totally. You know? Because, like, you're just hearing the same thing over, and, yep. there's, and it's just... Like, it's kind of a little bit like these people are like, I know exactly what you're going to say, so I'm not going <laughs> to so hear not it. Balanced. But, oh, I don't know what you're going to say, so I'm And I'm fascinated. sure that's, like, children and parents, too. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, when I was at, I, I, I haven't graduated from college, I hope to one day, but when I was taking classes at UCLA, mm-hmm. and I was about, I don't know, this isn't that long ago, actually, this is 2012 or 13. Great year. Great year. <laughs> Great year for Steve. Yeah. Um, I was taking, my favorite, favorite class I took at UCLA was called Relationship Psychology, mm-hmm. or Intimate Relationships, and, um we learned about the science of meeting a new person, Mm. whether it's a friend or a partner, and how the dopamine levels in your brain, you know, just start to like take off and explode. And and an enormous reason they do is because, and much like this conversation probably, you get excited to talk about yourself. Sure. And that's so attractive to talk about yourself, knowing that you get to because this person doesn't know. You don't and like, know my stories. You they're going to talk and then you're going to talk. Yeah. And they're going to get to tell your story and you're yeah. going to get to tell yours too. So that's like 90%, that's not a real number, of attraction is your the sound of your own voice and your ability to like 
re-express yourself to a new person in a new way, in a new color, in whatever shade you are that year, the moment, the sure. thing you've been through. And that's, I mean, that is everything. Like, that explains everything. Well, a little bit. But... I have a couple of people in my life um, who suffer from pretty debilitating anxiety. Oh, that's fun. That's a good time. Uh, yeah, it's... It's, um... it's a real picnic. It's a real picnic. Yeah. Uh, they would agree in the sarcastic tone that we were using. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, we talk about before they go into social situations, like, how can you leave this situation not in a panic? Not How can you go into it not in a panic? How can you leave it not in an ill-fit panic from all the chemicals that rush through your system as you develop, as you told yourself the story and develop this anxiety. Right. And it's always all, I mean, my non-professional advice is always th- have three questions in a social situation. Hmm. Have three questions. You always are ready to ask a new person or a small talk person. Do they have any trips planned? You right. know, like just questions that are not about you. And, and when they ask you again, you'll know because you, You'll know if you have a trip planned or if you just went on a trip. Like right. questions you can mirror, and it's it's interesting how it excites some people to talk about themselves and and utterly debilitates sure. others. I mean that's a big line. Yeah. And yet all the same part of the brain. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's like giving a, a crib sheet for life. Yeah. Here's the cliff notes on how to get through this party. <laughs> I do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also fascinating just to like break things down to like such yeah. like a kind of um, basic, a basic and somewhat sterile formulaic <laughs> sociological level of just like I can ask these questions, yeah. and it'll get me through this, and you'll probably even end up liking me more yeah. because I'm just engaged. I'm just engaging you or acting like I'm engaged. Yeah, and then like who knows what the fifth question is? Or yeah, that's it leads into other things. It's like that's the key, right? That's right. the that's the that's the goal, but I don't know what is kind of amazing. It's it's like uh, it's it's a social lubricant without booze. Yes, because totally. that's what booze usually does. You're like uptight and then right. like, oh, I'll ask some right. dumb questions. And some people like can't drink, or some yeah. people can't. They need other tools. Yeah. You know, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough out there. It, it is tough out there. You've How had is a it man out there forever. for you? I know. You've, had, like, I, you've been in a relationship for like 12 years, I, know. I feel like. A friend of mine the other Which day was great. like, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to start internet dating and here are the things I'm thinking about. And I said, okay, here's what I know. Also, I'm definitely, definitely for sure, for sure the wrong person. Yeah. I love it like when people like, I like married people will give me it like be like you should do this and like you, you don't buddy. like come on come on <laughs> you don't know i know at one point you were a part of this thing but at the game like the game last since the last time i was single the game has changed a ton i can't i don't i have literally zero concept yeah. then i've been together since 2006 oh, i met you. him when i was 18 when i moved sure. out here little and, babe just meeting oh my gosh and on his 27th birthday yeah and and we broke up once. Uh, that's good. That's uh, good for growth. Oh, yeah. Had yeah, to happen for sure. sure. Um, it was two months long. That's a good time. He told me, um, goodbye, love you, and uh, goodbye. <laughs> and then 
I never heard from him again. For those two months. Until I came crawling back. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how that works. Like we're such dummies by and large. Like I've... I I was a dis- I was a disaster. I mean, it was well, a disaster yeah. of my own making and I understand that I had to go through it and I was really really young. But um yeah, I uh I remember we broke up. He was such an adult about it. That's like the big takeaway. I remember just feeling like such a kid. Like such a kid, such a kid. That's the thing, right? And he was so it's like steadfast and strong and already in this conversation I was like oh maybe I, I'm out jo- I'm outgunned here I, yeah I yeah. did feel outgunned yeah. and so and so I came home to my roommate Genevieve um I hadn't spent the night in our apartment and I don't know <laughs> sure One of four those years yeah. I, I did not like, stay what the fuck are you doing here I live I by myself I did I have another not, roommate yeah. now I did not live in that yeah. apartment at all, ever. Yeah. I mean, there during the day, and then like at 7 p.m. when Ben was done working, I would pack up my shit and go. And yeah. that was normal, and that was our normal. So when I started living there, I I remember the first day, she's I was obviously very upset, but also like just this that guttural feeling that pulls you towards something like that, a decision like that. Like, I must have to do this for a reason. I really always knew I'd end up with him, to be honest with you. But I felt like I ha- have to do it. And I was crying and devastated. And she said, Jules, you know, it gets better. It gets better. It gets easier. And I said, okay, great. So then about 60 days later, she got home one day. And we had one bathroom. I like that you break it down to days. Yeah, it was six yeah, it, sure. was it was yeah. like two months, yeah. Um, she got home, and she heard a sound. And she came to the bathroom door, and the shower was running, and she heard muffled sobbing. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> that's I, what you do in a shower. And I was in there, sitting on the floor, as the most trite, you know, yeah. thing you can do oh, uh, what a cinematic scene the so, shower's I on mean, you're crying I was sure. sobbing in a ball in fetal position on the shower floor and I just she just goes ghouls it's not getting any easier is it mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like no it's not and then that day yeah. I went and knocked on Ben's door yeah. hey we take me back and he uh, he did not say yes immediately yeah because he, he knows what he's he doing he made me work for it he knows what like, he's doing he really did steve yeah. i mean i admire that so much i i i have no idea how he what his process was sure but i think he was like i'm not gonna get hurt by you again so yeah. i'm gonna make sure you aren't a crazy Prove crazy teenager Prove it. Yeah. put it all put those cards on the table i want to see what you got but then, you know, dating, I mean, since I met him when I was so young, I, I had high school boyfriends. and Oh, man, high, school, high boyfriend. school boyfriends. That's yeah. like not even, that's like the, that's the Bush Leagues. It's the minor leagues. I know, but I don't know. In my I head, mean, they're formative. One of them, one, not... one person, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like I got it. I understood it. You, under, and then, you understood emoting? You understood, understood like what love could be? Yeah, I okay. understood personal connection and what I, well, I selfishly, like what I required and wanted ultimately out of someone. I didn't know that at the sure. time, but I look back with the understanding that like when I met Ben, right. I, I, I do feel like I knew something. 
just like in this like kind of like uh, uh, intangible ephemeral yeah. way like oh, I know what feels good to me yeah you and like not... you are it and yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to fuck this up and then try to put it back together oh, so sure. that ultimately a decade later that's what you do you in know, your late teens early 20s yeah you're, and you're a one man wrecking crew I mean I don't know how we made it through well, but we did, we did. Uh, largely in part to the fact that he is such a sound yeah. steady being that there was no way I wanted to be anywhere but there. Yeah. Well. But dating, I never I think you're did. Doing, you're doing a great job of making Ben look amazing. Ben's so you gotta make now. You have to make this relationship work because if it ever doesn't, oh, he's God, gonna be off the market immediately. <laughs> you just made him sound like a fucking mensch. Such a gem. Um. By the way, he would be off the market immediately yeah, he's a, he's, anyway. He's a I don't handsome, doubt it. Strapping, talented dude. Smart. I'd date funny. the guy. Yeah. Only speaks when it's like pretty necessary, which is a quality I think is fascinating yeah, and strong. I don't relate to it. No, I just like I'll talk. No, nothing's happening. I'll I say will stuff. Talk to you for I'll say dumb seven stuff. hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like the my old writing partner always equated to me to as like the um the yapping dog behind a, a yes. screen door. Yes. As soon as the screen door opens, I'm yes. like uh yeah. <laughs> the screen door's closed, I'll say a bunch of shit. Yeah. Well when Genevieve and I worked at the griddle, mm-hmm. um the for old me that, Hollywood oh, nightstay. Yeah, for me that was eighteen to twenty, which is how I met Ben. He waited on me at the griddle. Sure. Um, and then I started working there. And we, since Jen and I lived together, I would get home. I think Ben and I were dating at this point, but anyway, I'd either wake up in that apartment, maybe twice that happened, or I'd come home really early from Ben's and get ready for work at the griddle. We had to be there around seven thirty or eight fifteen. Sure. And I remember Jen. Jen's just not, or at that point in her life, was not a morning person. And I was like a firework. And so we would carpool together mm-hmm. and she would have to ask me, I'm a teenager. She has to be can like, you, Juliana, please shut the fuck can up. you just shut the fuck up? Just shut like, the fuck I up. need you to shut the fuck up. Give me a minute. And then, and I'd say, and then I got it and I'd say like, okay. And then we'd get to the griddle and about 30 minutes would go by and she'd have a coffee and she would come up to me and say, okay, okay. we're cool now. Let have at it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's fun. We've learned so. What is on? What has dating been like for you? Oh shit, it's weird. Um, it's been good and fun. I never had like the um. I never had the period just like to. In my late teens, early twenties, we're just being like. Yeah. I'm being a. I'm doing making dumb dumb decisions. Totally, I didn't do that either. I completely understand. Yeah, I didn't do that. So, and I never thought I was gonna have that. So. I've done that now. Yeah. We're just like, oh, let's oh. <laughs> let's throw all the noodles at the wall. And it's like fun <laughs> like adventures. Yeah. And then after a while it's like, all right, well, okay. Eh, okay. it's a little bit empty. Yeah. But um but it's exciting, it's an adventure. But it's just like also, I don't know, this town's weird. But I This town is weird and I mean, I'm sure you've talked to your friends and they all say that because certainly all mine do. Sure. I mean, I think I've been in so many other towns where like dating's really hard in this city, and dating's. I think it's yeah. hard everywhere, but I think this town is like a, a different level of, uh, even on a subconscious level. I'm not saying that people are purely opportunistic, but right. there's a certain level of that where you're we like, all are a little. Well, yeah, we're yeah. like, well, I'm. Why are you even doing this podcast? Yeah, exactly. This is gonna just <laughs> fucking man jettison your career to a level below. <laughs> You know what? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. But yeah, you need okay. to be humble to yeah, work. I do. I do. No, but it's frankly just... too much work. Yeah, you know? definitely. Don't call me. Call me. Um, I don't know. It's it's just it's just a, a bizarre thing to navigate. And 
shit, I don't know. Uh, a bar was set high for me, so it's like yeah, hard to, it's hard yeah. to get back to that. Jeez. But, you know. Do you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I've, um, yes, I do. I, like, you know, recently played, like, house for a little while. Or, like, had a lady stay with me. How was that? Uh, it was delightful. But it was, like, more than anything, it was just, like, feeling this, like, oh, I haven't done this for a while. For a long time. This is fun. Or at right. least it feels like there's a certain level of comfort. Totally. Even, like, you know, if maybe, it doesn't matter if everything's working. It's like, this is, like, oh, this is a level of intimacy that I've yeah. not had for some time. Right. And that feels nice. I understand. I am, I, I'm... I'm very codependent. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I used to be. I think it's finally out of my system now. Where wow. it's like now, like I, I yearn for like, more independence. Uh, but then it's like I feel like almost I've gone to the other extreme, where like now I have to like start like okay, it's okay, like share more. Yeah. <laughs> I was like it, raised in captivity, <laughs> and then let out into the wild became like feral and then they came back and like well you can be like you know an indoor outdoor cat don't run yeah but come back food's here i get it yeah well uh thank you my dear steve this is really fun i really appreciate it your house is great thanks for when i asked you can i do your podcast not saying no no. it's a delight (laughs) especially if you offer me beer i'm gonna be here yes i gave him a beer and i cooked him dinner yeah that's why we're getting to that we're getting to that uh thank you so much lady i really appreciate it hooray Well, that was fun. That was a good time. That's a nice way to spend like, oh, 45 minutes to an hour, isn't it? Uh, Thank you so much to Juliana for coming out and talking to us. Uh, That was really wonderful. You're delightful. And I love the notion of my bedrock was water. How nice. Um, If you want to see what's going on with with Juliana, you can check her out on Twitter. Her handle is at Juliana Gwill. There you go. Simple, straightforward. Um, if you want to see what's going on with us, you can check us out on Twitter. It's at terribly underscore funny. We also have, uh, you know, uh, what do you call those things? Instagram, yes, and Facebook. We're there too, and it's terribly funny podcast. Also, if you like the show, go on our uh, our iTunes and leave us a comment, leave us a review. That would be great. Tell your friends. We like we like more listeners. We're doing something that we think is kind of fun and important. I don't know if it's important, but it's I don't know. It's at least earnest and. <sighs> And unique, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, tell people if you like it. And if you want to drop us a line to say uh, that, you, uh, give us your give us your thoughts, your two cents on what we're doing here. You can reach us at terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. And that's it. Other than to say thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes, to Julia Pod, Kingdom Flying Club for doing the art and the music, and uh, the biggest thank thanks always goes to you guys because you're just so fucking cute. You know what I mean? Just want to nibble on that those faces. I made it weird, didn't I? I sure did. Well, stay tuned for next week when I make it even more weird. Have a great week, guys.